I could probably subtitle this sermon today, The Animal Sermon. I don't know if some of you moms think that you're raising animals. I know that sometimes my oldest daughter kind of thinks that with two boys, ages five and seven, that she's raising a couple of animals, uh, sort of like little wolves or something. Uh, But there are some different analogies that God gives us, and they're very plain, and yet they're in Scripture, and we tend to gloss over some of them. And I was really taken in this particular season with three specific analogies, and they all have to do with animals, and they all have to do with God's character. Let me ask this to get us started. Where do you think the best qualities of motherhood originates? Where would that come from, do you think? Well, I think it comes from God himself, and God represents himself to us in Scripture as being like, and these are mother qualities, by the way, that come from the triune Godhead, mama hen, a mama bear, and a mama eagle. And they're all God-like qualities. Seems a little bit odd at first, but I think as we unpack it, you'll start to see what wonderful qualities they are emanating from God who gifts special uh, God-fearing, Bible-believing, Christ-honoring moms with these qualities because they help reflect Him to others. This is a hen covering its chicks in a protective way, and we can see that in Matthew 23, 37, where Jesus actually even refers to Himself that way. He describes himself by saying how often this was talking to Jerusalem as he was on his way into Jerusalem leading up to his crucifixion and burial and resurrection. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Did they allow him to do that? Did they say, oh, I'm so glad that you said that because we want to climb right under there and have your protection? No, it says, and you were unwilling That's the sad part. Part of what we see in Scripture is that the children of Israel become a picture of what happens when our own children become wayward. There's so many ways for us to compare the two, especially in parenting, because we get the heart of God, and we can see, oh, God had to deal with this time and time again. I remember a temper tantrum in church. Um, It wasn't my own temper tantrum in this, at least not that time. (laughs) The one I'm thinking about was one that happened to our oldest daughter. Uh, We had moved, and so there was a lot of turmoil going on because she had left behind people that she loved. We were in New York, and so it was a very different subculture than we had come from. (laughs) And apparently, there was some reason why people standing up in public made her really squeamish and scared. And somebody asked her mama, Joy, to stand up and read a word of Scripture in the middle of one of our worship services in the church that we belonged to while we were in New York. And so Joy was going to do that, and she was just going to sit kindly next to me, and it was going to be no big deal, so we thought. But Katie just started throwing a fit. She didn't want her mama standing up because it was embarrassing to her. And she started crying, and she started screaming, and she started doing all this stuff. And so finally, Joy just did what any good mom would do. She just walked over and Grabbed Katie and picked her up, and Katie's just doing all this business, you know. And Katie just walked out and basically, you know, y'all pray for us. <laughs> That's all you can do. And she walked her out to the car, drove home. We, we lived a mile away. She said, can you walk home with the other two, you know, the other kids? And I said, of course, no problem. And so she took Katie home, and she cried for four hours that afternoon. Just went berserk. And so you think, where is this coming from? And how is it ever going to stop? But you know, 
Joy just covered her like a mother hen covers that chick with its wings and loved on her until she finally calmed down. And we learned some stuff through that season of life because we went to a counselor to get some good counsel and thought, what are we doing that we could do differently that might help our children adjust to this big change that was going on? And he told me something that stuck with me. He was asking, how do you handle it when your kids do this kind of stuff at home? And I said, well, normally I will send Katie to her room and say, when you can straighten up, then you can come back out again. He says, well, he said, I understand a lot of people do that. Let me make a suggestion and let you try something a little different this time. The next time your daughter starts expressing a negative emotion, because God gave all of us emotions, and all of them emanate from him, ultimately, there's a reason for that, and we haven't tapped into the reason So because she's limited in her vocabulary, she might not know what she's trying to express, and so it's all coming out as one thing, which is a tantrum. Probably she is either sad over missing somebody that she's left, or she's angry, maybe angry at you because you're at fault for taking a new job and moving her away from the people that she loves. She needs to learn to express that in a safe environment, and you need to allow her to do that, as difficult as that is. So next time she starts throwing one of these, just pull her up on your knee and hug her and reaffirm your love for her. And when she calms down enough, ask her, are you sad? Are you angry? What's going on? And let her talk to you. She was old enough to have some vocabulary. It was very difficult. (laughs) It was very difficult because I think those reactions in children sometimes trigger reactions that we had when we were that age. And we go back there in our psychology somehow, in our psyche, and then we want to start acting that way. And what you see in grocery stores sometimes is the parent is acting more like the five-year-old than the five-year-old. And so I had to be the adult in the room, and the next time she did that, I invited her up on my knee. I followed Dr. Joel's suggestion exactly as he had told me. And when she calmed down, she was able to express. She goes, yes, I'm really mad at you, Dad, because you took me away from my kitten, Cuddles. She was upset because I took her away from Cuddles the kitten. And once she got that out, she seemed to calm down. She straightened up so much more quickly. And we started to learn that we were teaching her by sending her away first that basically our love was conditional on her behavior. I will love you if you behave this certain way. And what she needed to see was, I love you no matter how you're feeling. And I'm loving you enough to allow you to express those feelings to me. And I thought, it was revolutionary. Every time I would read the Psalms and I would see David, the psalmist, talking about all this stuff. And I thought, man, God let you get away with saying that stuff to him? You know, how long, oh God, are you going to stay up there and not smite mine enemies? And yet he would do that. He would pour his heart out. And by the time he got done with his rant, he would get to the end of that and say, okay, I'm getting my head back on straight. I'm getting my feet under me again. I'm getting my emotions in check. I understand you're still God. You're still on your throne. I'm okay. You're okay. We're okay. It's all okay. And that's kind of what God was teaching us because we learned the character of God and expressed through parenting. That's a very important thing for our kids to know. And we got to where we could express that later to them in life by saying, we're very disappointed in this behavior because it's dangerous but we still love you. And there's nothing you can do that will ever keep us from loving you the way that we love you because you're just special to us because you're our kid. We always try to reaffirm love even if we were disappointed in a specific behavior. Still express truth. That's important. We can't just condone anything. We have to express truth even when it's unpleasant and yet we have to reaffirm our love. And that's kind of what that chick 
represents. When we see Christ representing himself as the mother hen covering the chicks with his protective wing. And that's what he did for his people. That's what he did for his apostles. He did so constantly. He spoke truth, but he did so with love, and he constantly reaffirmed his love for them. Even Peter, who denied him three times, and yet he reaffirmed him too. So what do we learn about God? His love to us is not performance-based either. So many religions get hung up on this, and without even realizing, they start creeping over into that realm of legalism and performance-based earning God's love, rather than continuing to understand, okay, wait a minute, if it's truly by grace, if it's a gift, I can't earn it, which means the only thing I can do now is love him back by getting close to him and getting to know him and by obeying him because I want to, not because I have to. That's such a huge difference in mentality. Huge difference between legalists and people who love God and are just loving him back instead of paying him back. So there's the mother hen, and then there's the mama bear. Some of you women, I've heard you say, oh, the mama bear came out in me. That's probably a good thing because there's that protective, fierce nature. You can be both fierce and protective at the same time. That's what God is. That's what he shows us all through the Old Testament. He's fiercely protecting his people, his chosen people. And sometimes he had to do that by being extremely fierce. And it appears that he's really angry and wrathful. But that wrath is motivated by his love for his chosen people. Hosea 13 is where we get some of this um, picture of the mama bear. Last year, our kids wanted to do something kind of special because I was reaching a decade birthday mark. I was 40. Um, 40, give or take a couple of decades. (laughs) Truth with love. Okay, I was 60, all right? All right. And so we booked uh, Airbnb down in the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee, where they got some good barbecue, and where apparently they also have buyers out there. And so we posted on our, uh, our Facebook page the little experience that some of you got to listen to. And that it all happened just the way it was. Uh, we heard, as Joy and I were starting to go out for a little walk, we heard this. And I said, that's not a motorcycle. That's kind of scary because that's an animal. And the only animals I can know of around here that would make that noise is probably a black bear. And so we need to go back in the house. And we did. And we got up to the porch, which was on a second story that was high enough up that if we saw a bear coming through there, we could skedaddle inside quick and lock the door. And we started listening, and sure enough, we heard it again, and it seemed like it was getting closer from the uphill side of where the property was. And we thought, yep, that's a mama bear. And then, all of a sudden, we heard on the other side of the property and down the hill, and I thought, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. We're right in the middle. There's mama bear up here, baby bears down there. It's a good thing we didn't go for our walk because we would have been right in the middle. And mama bears, from what I've read in National Geographic and stuff, they don't particularly like people getting in between them and their baby bears. And so we stayed inside, and for the next 15 or 20 minutes, all of us were running to the back door, and we were listening through the windows, and our grandsons got up on a little stool so they could look at the upstory window, and they're looking at it. And our son-in-law was acting more brave than I thought he should have. And he walks all the way out by the barbed wire fence, and he hears this, and he goes, <laughs> great big old son-in-law of mine. So that was our Tennessee experience. Mama bears are fiercely protective. 
And God is both fierce and protective, and it's motivated by love for his chosen people. Parents, you have experienced this, haven't you? Sometimes you love your kid like crazy, but boy, some days you think, I oughta. And that wrath comes out. The tricky part is in understanding where the wrath is motivated by love. And if you can put on that fierce protectiveness so that you're protecting your child from something, either that it would hurt himself or herself, hurt somebody else, or hurt something that would damage something. Those were the three things that we always had as a rule in our household. And those are things that, I'm going to say it, we actually spanked our children. I know that that's not in style these days. But we used to never spank more than three times. We would only spank softer than we would on their birthday if you were counting out the number of years they were born. And we would do it for the sake of their learning something. Because if it's only punishment without learning, it's not discipline. So that was our rules of thumb. But we were fierce and protective. And in order to protect them from something that could hurt them more, we would say, do you understand why you're being disciplined? And if they didn't understand it, we would explain it again until they got it. And then if they said, yes, it's because I lied. That was one of the biggies on the list, too. That was a big one in my family with my dad, too. I remember getting a SWAT one time because I lied. Because that can be damaging down the road. And then we would say, okay, we're going to give the number of SWATs according to, or if you're a timeout person, we're going to get the number of minutes of timeout, whatever you feel is appropriate. And then we'd say, and this is why, and we would reinforce the why. And then hopefully there's learning going on. Not just learning to fear you. That's why it was important not to punish in anger. Uh, Joy was talking just yesterday. I, I did a funeral for a sweet friend of ours. She was the secretary at the church over at Packard Road when I was there. And we got to talk to some of our real sweet older friends that were there. And June was real sweet because she was perceptive. I was at the church in the office one Tuesday morning. Joy was at home with Katie Katie had awakened from her nap and had decided to do some artwork. But the only thing that she could find for a medium was in her diaper. And Joy called up June at the office, and June could tell by the shakiness in her voice that if I didn't get home right away, she was probably going to throw our oldest daughter out the window. And June came in personally and got me, handed me a note, and she said, you need to head home immediately if you want to see your children alive. (laughs) And I booked it out of there, and Paul said, go, go. (laughs) My pastor, he knew that he'd raise kids. And so I took off, I got home, and Katie was in the tub with just a couple of inches of water in there, sitting there splashing. Joy was sitting on the floor in the living room, just bawling her eyes out. (laughs) And I got there, but she was both fierce and protective. And there are times when she said she could hear her daddy's voice that said, never punish in anger. You have to discipline in a way that learning will take place. And if the only thing you're doing is teaching them to fear you, that's not the right kind of discipline. And so she talked it through. She did the right thing. She called in reinforcements when she realized that if I do anything else, I'm probably not going to do this the right way. She did it right. It's okay to call in reinforcements when we need to. Just don't discipline in anger to the point that all you're teaching them is to fear you. So that's God's characters as seen through a, a mom. So I will be like a bear robbed of her cubs. This is a difficult passage going on here in Hosea. 
Because God has really given them what for, Israel, giving Israel what for, because they have continued to do things that could be very damaging, especially serving other gods, worshiping idols, things like that, which just seems to be a recurring thing. Just like in parenting, I've told you three times already today, and you're still doing this again. Why do you keep repeating this difficult thing? That's God. He says, I'm going to be like a bear robbed of her cubs. And he says some pretty wrathful sounding things, but he's, he's saying those things because he loves them. Sometimes God is showing us that we need to fend off danger from the outside. I've seen Mama Bear come out in my lovely wife. Uh, there was a lady at our former church, this is a long time ago, but she was angry about something and wanted to talk to Joy about it, but one of our kids was acting up and needed some time out time in the nursery so that Joy could do some discipline. And that's not a good time to catch a mom and talk to her about something you want to talk to her about when the kid's up there doing all this stuff. You know, just kind of wait five minutes, if you would, please. That's my little admonition, okay? But this lady was just wanting to get right up and start dealing with this problem when it was clearly not a really good time. And Joy got right to the door of the nursery. She said, excuse me, just a moment, please. I need to discipline my child. I'll be back in about 10 minutes, and we can pick this up. Thank you. And she just walked in and basically had to shut the door in her face because the lady was kind of... She was fending off danger, and she was protecting her child, and it was the right thing to do. And she did it lovingly, but we need to protect our children. And sometimes we have to protect them from outside dangers. A couple of weeks ago, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I preached on Gideon, Gideon's army, maybe three weeks ago. And God did something amazing, supernatural, so that Gideon, paring down his army to only 300, could go up against an army of 135,000. And yet God did that because he was constantly protecting Israel from outside forces. Sometimes, however, we need to learn to protect our kids from inside forces. Oh, I forgot this other illustration. Still an outside force. Um, I read a true story. It happened just two years ago. There was a mom down in Florida. She was in a Dollar General store shopping with her 13-year-old daughter. And the surveillance camera, which I saw on a YouTube video from it, showed this guy who was acting kind of creepy, pushing a little shopping cart with a couple of items in it, but he kept looking furtively from one side to the next and looking around corners and doing this business. And all of a sudden, when the mom had her back turned and she was slightly around a corner of one of the aisles from her daughter, this guy just ran over and grabbed the 13-year-old and tried to abduct her. He was going to try to literally pull that 13-year-old right out of the store. Fortunately, two good things happened. The 13-year-old just kind of went on a sit-down strike and became dead weight so that he was literally trying to drag her across the floor. It's a lot harder to get somebody out if you can't carry them. Second thing that happened that was good, the mama bear came out in that mom. And she came over and grabbed a hold of her daughter, and there was a tug of war going on for dear life. She was not about to let that man walk out that store with her daughter. And she was, when she had an ankle in one hand, she was literally slapping at the guy with the other hand. And I thought, man, if I were you guy, I'd get out of there. She looks mad. <laughs> and he finally did. He finally dropped the, the girl's foot and took off out the door. And the cops fortunately caught the guy just a short time later, and he was charged. But that's that mama bear. Folks, we need to protect our kids. And one of the ways we do that is by raising them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord by showing them that there is such a thing as absolute truth. There is right and there is wrong, and they need to learn how to discern between right and wrong. And we do that by doing everything we're doing now, what the kids are learning in Awana, what we do in Sunday school, what we do in VBS. That's a part of helping them learn how to determine right from wrong. That's a part of 
protecting them from outside forces. And then sometimes we have to protect our kids from their own dangerous decisions. All of us know that. Starts very young. As soon as the, the feet start to work right and they start learning how, oh, I can toddle. And look, there's a really steep hill. It's a 45 degree angle. I want to go down there. You know, do we say, yeah, try it. See what you can do. No, we, we say, you're going to get hurt if you do that. Don't go down that hill. We need to learn from an early age to teach them to make the right decisions so we can protect them from their own bad decisions, which means that it's constant parenting, is it not? I remember a family that we know quite well. Uh, the kid went to a party. He had been given permission by his parents to call him at any time that he felt anything was unsafe. Now, it's not cool when you're a freshman in high school to call your mommy. It is not cool. But this particular kid called his mom, and he was shivering, and you could hear it in the voice. And he said, can you come and get me? I'm going to give you the address. She goes, yeah, what's going on? He said, well, I'll tell you when you get here. She goes, I'll be right there. Five minutes, quick, into the car, out there. It was quite cold. He was really shivering. And he got home, and she said, can you tell me what happened? And he said, I am really afraid that somebody is going to die tonight. They are doing things inside that house that scare me to death, and I had to get out. And she said, can you tell me who it is? And he goes, no, I better not. I think because he was fearing that some people would retaliate. He did the right thing. She had raised that kid to understand that it's okay that if you need to protect yourself, even if after you've made a wrong decision, you can rectify it by making a right decision. Don't feel that you've, oh, I've gone too far now. I might as well just see this through. Get out. It's okay to escape if you need to get out from a bad situation. And so we need to keep training our kids constantly to protect themselves even from their own bad decisions at times. So we got the mother hen with the protective nurturing kind of uh, character. We've got the mama bear that comes out to protect not only from outward dangers, but also from decisions that we can make, inward dangers. And then we got this lovely eagle, the mama eagle. And you can see the little eaglet in the nest down there that we can read about in Deuteronomy. Uh, my mom, I've told you this before, handed me the keys right after I got home from taking my driver's license test, which I passed with flying colors. Thank you very much. And, and yet, suddenly it scared me to death because she hands me the keys and enough cash for me to send me up a mile away to the grocery store and get some eggs, bread, and milk. And I thought, okay, this is a first. I wasn't prepared for the fear that struck me because there had always been a parent who could say, wait, 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 yeah. or stop, 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 <laughs> or not yet, not yet, not yet. <laughs> and there was that person who's gone from the right-hand side, and I had to make that decision. I had to look out for the traffic. I had to not turn left in front of a semi-truck. These are things that are important in life. And so I thought, okay, here I go. And I took off and thinking, okay, responsibility is fun, but it's kind of scary. All at the same time. My job as a parent, I love this. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to ask you, first of all, if you can recognize who said this. It's a famous quote. My job as a parent is to teach you how to tell yourself the truth. Remember who said that? No, it wasn't Shakespeare. It was not Abraham Lincoln. It was actually the other president. It was George Washington. George Washington Castle. Joy's dad. My father-in-law he used to say that to all seven of his kids. He would say, my job as a parent is to teach you how to tell yourself the truth. I thought, man, that's really good biblically-based wisdom. 
Because the Bible is constantly telling us that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal truth to us. John 16 is a great passage for that. It tells us that Jesus promises just before he goes to heaven to send us somebody. And he says that's a person. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. Somebody who's going to convict us of truth, reveal truth to us. And if we need to make a different decision, if we need to repent or change our mind or to apologize, that he'll give us the strength to to do that. Here's verse 13a from that. But when he, the spirit of truth, notice how his, his title even says truth in it. The spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So as Christian parents... As believers in Jesus Christ, yeah, one of our jobs as a parent is to teach our kids how to tell themselves the truth by teaching them to listen to the Holy Spirit who reveals truth to them. We can't discern it in our own strength. Just like when Simon Peter finally made the right confession, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, okay, good, I'm going to give you an attaboy, but flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. That's a spiritually discerned thing. Same thing with truth. We can't come up with our own truth. People are trying it all over the place, and it ain't working. It has to be a spirit-revealed truth because that's the only truth that counts. It's a truth that emanates from God's character itself. I remember a time when I was in sixth grade, had to do a project. I know that none of your kids ever procrastinate on a project, right? So I'm sure this is a rare example But I was busy doing important stuff with my life, like playing basketball and practicing my hook shot and stuff. And so it came to be about Saturday evening. I came in from playing basketball, and my mom said, didn't you have some kind of a project that's coming due soon? And I said, oh, yeah, that's that science project for Monday. (laughs) It's Saturday evening. for It's Monday. Okay, well, what's the project again? Well, we have to get some kind of a board. I started describing this. It was a mammoth project. We were going to mix up some sort of stuff and make almost like clay and make mountains and do a topographical map, and I, which means I had to research it. We didn't have the internet back then, so I had to get on the mule and ride down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. No. I, <laughs> life was tough at school when we were a kid. We had to walk uphill both ways in the snow, barefoot. In Arizona, <laughs> well, northern Arizona, maybe, yeah. <laughs> so my mom started saying, you know, she asked the one quick question. She says, so how long have you known that this was coming due on Monday? I got so mad. And I started saying, mom, you are so mean. You are so mean to me. She said, how am I mean? I was simply asking, how long have you known that? You never take my side, you know, and you just go out on them. That's the way some people can act sometimes. Uh, Gotten over it by last year, so I think I'm doing okay. (laughs) Young children can say some hurtful things. I heard a young boy, he's about seven years old, say to his mama not too long ago, you are ruining my life because she made him brush his teeth. And we think, yeah, that's just horrible. What an awful parent you must be. Because sometimes we look through an exaggerated lens at what our parent is trying to get us to do, just trying to keep our teeth from falling out because they will rot if we don't brush them. That's a loving thing. The mama bear comes out and says, I'm nurturing you. I'm caring for you. You need to brush your teeth. 
If you want to get a date when you're 16, you need to brush your teeth. You need to learn about basic hygiene, things like that. But they can say hurtful things. They can say, Mom, I don't want you to be my mom anymore. I had a nephew tell me that he disowned me as his uncle (laughs) because he was beaten up on his little brother, and I had to separate them and give him time out. And he goes, you're not my uncle anymore. (laughs) And I said, well, maybe you'll feel differently later, but I still love you. (laughs) And he's okay now. So how should we respond when kids say really hurtful things to us? Well, that's when we need to be the adult in the room. We need to put on the character qualities of God himself. We need to be that wonderful eagle helping kids learn responsibility so that one day they can fly the nest. And Matthew 5 tells us some good things that apply even to parents and those beatitudes. You've got to turn the other cheek. How many times does a parent turn the other cheek? We start to get dizzy from going like this so much. Love your enemies. Sometimes our kids don't think of us as an enemy until we tell them something they don't want to do, and then suddenly we're their enemy. Now, we don't think of us as an enemy, but they do because they've made themselves an enemy, just like Israel would make themselves an enemy of God because they were disobedient. Pray for those who mistreat you. Does that mean even our children? Absolutely. How about Colossians 3? Forgive as God in Christ has forgiven you. How many times must we do that? I've quoted this six times in the last six years, and I'll quote it again. Oops, no, not that one. Let me read this verse first, and then I'll talk to you about a quote that I've quoted before. Colossians 3.13, this is the New Living Translation. Make allowance for each other's faults, even your kids. That's my parenthetical inclusion. And forgive anyone who offends you. Anyone includes children. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And you think, okay, like Peter, so is three times enough? Can I then throw them into a locked cage and slide a sandwich under the bottom of it? Or do I have to keep forgiving? No, you have to keep forgiving. So how about 70 times 7, which was a euphemism of saying boundless, endless forgiveness. You can't find the end to it because that's how big God's forgiveness is. So this is the quote of the song that I love so much. And it's a great song. If you get a chance to listen to it, go home, YouTube it. It's fun. Every time I find healing, you're making a new mess. She's talking about her kids. And I'm learning the real meaning of forgiveness. And then I love this verse. And I could move and never send you a forwarding address. Or I could learn the real meaning of forgiveness. We parents have felt like moving and not leaving a forwarding address. Have we not? And yet we keep learning the real meaning of forgiveness because God allows us as a microcosm of his wonderful relationship to us by he's saying, okay, I I want you to experience a little of what I experience all the time. Basically, welcome to my world. (laughs) This is what I go through all the time. And you as a parent need to keep forgiving, keep forgiving, keep forgiving. Keep showing my example to your kids. Be an example. Be the adult. Love them unconditionally, but let them earn the responsibility so that they can fly the nest someday. Do we ever act like children? Do we ever find ourselves behaving in certain ways that we think, yeah, looking back on that, that was not my proudest moment. I think we've all been there. Sure. Have you ever gotten really angry about something you felt was just unfair and later had a chance to tell yourself the truth? I've done that. I got all up in the pictures and really angry because of that one professor who tried to make me type my papers. I've told you about that. 
What a meanie head. I mean, how could he be so cruel? Did he not know that I could print very legibly? I had taken drafting. But I needed to learn how to type. And so instead, I just had to grow up a little bit. And I had to develop the responsibility enough to take a typing class because I was in college for Pete's sake. I had to tell myself the truth. Here's a pie chart. It has nothing to do with anything other than it helps me compartmentalize something that a friend of mine taught me. It was after I came back from New York. Uh, I was going back into the local church ministry. And I was kind of smarting from some bad experiences. And um, he said, can I take you through a tool that I use in dealing with other leaders? And I said, I'd love for you to do that. And so he had me fill out a questionnaire. He had some other people that I work with and who know me well fill out a questionnaire. And then they layer the two together. So there was a pie chart. And you could click, quickly see, okay, here are all the areas that match up. They think you're doing a fine job in this area on the pie chart. This one, they think you're doing a fine job in this area of the pie chart. You think you're doing a fine job in this area of pie chart? Pie chart. They don't think so. There's a discrepancy in this slice right here. Now, he said, and this is the thing. It's easy for us to see the one pie slice that doesn't match up, and that's the one we magnify. In fact, we want to enlarge that and make that take up the whole pie. Rather than saying, look, it's only one sliver. And he told me that. He goes, can you see how positive this is? This is like 90% of everything you filled out. Other people think you're doing a fine job. It's only this one little slice that you need to work on, and that's a growth area. You don't have to consider it a failure. You just need to work in this area. There's some things you can do about that. That should make you feel good, right? So what do I think about all that night? Pie chart, I tell you what. You know, you get to the point where you just magnify the wrong stuff instead of looking at the other. Here's where something comes in, parents, and it's so good. And then as I start to apply it as an adult to myself, I think, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Let me use my own illustration that I've used from years ago uh, so that you can hopefully put yourself in my shoes as well. I had specifically asked a few people to give me feedback about my sermons because I wanted feedback to know if I was connecting or not. What can I do differently? Can I connect better? And so, of course, you know, I start to get this feedback back. And there's this one slice. And you, well, who do they think they are? And you start coming up with, well, there was a reason why I put, you get all defensive and you want to start defending everything instead of saying, hey, I asked you to give me this feedback. <laughs> so thank you for giving me the feedback because now I see things that I didn't see clearly about myself, learning to tell myself the truth, like George Washington Castle said. And so I had to start re realizing that that's an, a huge example of what I see happening, starting with little bitty children going all the way up. If we don't learn to tell ourselves the truth and get feedback and understand, hey, it's only this one area. I don't say that your whole life is terrible. I'm only saying that you need some improvement in this one area because it will keep you from falling into things that can be bad for you or dangerous or hurtful, or you'll feel bad about yourself because you haven't applied yourself or whatever. And so I see that happening. And here's something else that's an offshoot of this same concept. Um, I, I didn't find it. Oh, there it is. It's at the bottom of this thing. I don't have my glasses on. A partial truth is as good as a lie. Why do I say that? It's because if, and I'm using myself again as this example, if one person told me something that was a critique about one section of my sermons, 
And if I latched onto that and said, that person is so mean, then instead of looking at the 95% of the other stuff that they said that was really glowing and encouraging, and if I went off and gossiped that to somebody else and said, man, do you know what that person said about me in my preaching? Now, is that accurate? How is that like a lie? It's because you've left out 95% of the other conversation. If you're going to give the whole picture and the real truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God with the truth of the Holy Spirit revealing what's there, you need to be accurate in how you depict that stuff. Have we had that happen in our own lives? Oh, yes. We'll grab something, we're latching onto the one thing that trips our switch, and instead of being honest about the whole conversation, we just kind of tweak that one little thing, and if we gossip about it, all of a sudden people get the wrong impression because it makes that other guy who told you that bad thing look like a bad guy. He's not a bad guy. I asked him to give me this information so that I could be helped by that, and yet now I'm painting him out to be the bad guy. See how quickly that can happen. That's why it's so important for us to teach people to listen to the Holy Spirit and teach ourselves to tell ourselves the truth. Now, by Preparing our kids to leave the nest as eagles. Teach them responsibility that earns trust. That's always changing. It's a moving target because the older they get, the more they're able to do. Uh, It was 16 years old before I could drive a car to go get milk and bread. But before that, mom used to trust me and my sister to walk a quarter of a mile to a Circle K convenience mart. And we could buy a couple of things for her. But that was on the same side of the street. It was safe. We could walk there. We could be back in a half hour. No big deal. It's commensurate with the amount of responsibility that you've already built up, and it's going to be added to constantly. And then uh, the converse is also true. All of a sudden, if they have taken away responsibility for themselves by doing something that they should not have been doing, what do you do? You shrink the responsibility. You say, no, okay, you're going to go back to here because you've shown me that you're not ready for that task yet. Doesn't God do that with us too? You know, you're not ready for this step yet. How come? Because I still am trying to teach you some character that you haven't caught yet. And if your character is built to the point that you're ready for this task, then I'll let you do this next task. He who is given, uh, to he who is faithful with little, much will be given, something like that. Okay. And then teach them to tell the truth to themselves. Parenting is a little like the deadliest catch. How do I say that? Have you watched that show? It's these guys that are lobster fishermen. They're out there in the Bering Sea off Alaska, the Alaska coast. Some of that weather is awful. They're out there and the storms are brewing and the guys are literally sliding across the deck. They're playing with each other and sliding to the other side. They've got these enormous lobster pots that they have to put over the side of the boat and let them drop down in there with a, a buoy that holds them up so they can go and snag the buoy later on and pull that thing up with a winch and pour out the lobster, hoping there's lobster in there. There can be great rewards, but it's great risk. And here's the deal. Sometimes the storms are such that the captain can just barely hold that boat in one place. That's what it feels like as a parent, doesn't it? It's like, man, I'm just trying to keep this family from capsizing. That's all I can do today. I'm just white knuckling, and I'm just hoping that we don't sink the boat. It feels that way, especially with the world bombarding us with all the stuff that it bombards us with. How do we do that? We cling firmly to Jesus Christ and his word. My mom had a picture right up by my light switch in my bedroom as a child. And it was of the little boy who's got a hold of the wheel on the ship. And then you can see that there's an older man that's sort of almost an apparition 
with his hand on the boy's shoulder. And she used to sing me that little hymn, Jesus, Savior, pilot me. Over life's tempestuous sea, unknown waves before me roll, hiding rocks and treacherous shoal, chart and compass be my guide, Jesus, Savior, pilot me. And I used to have that song going into my mind, and I think that's what we need to be for our kids. We need to have our hand on their shoulder. We need to be a mother hen at times when it's appropriate. We need to be the mama bear at times and be fierce and protective at times. Sometimes we actually need to be that mother hen and kick them out of the nest a little bit and say, you're ready to fly, or at least let's try it. But I'm going to swoop under and catch you if you need me to catch you for a minute. There's a place, safe place for you to come back if you fall on your face. That's okay. It takes several times for some of us. We don't get free the first time around. All of these are godly qualities. They grow right out of the character of God himself. And he desires to infuse his character into our character through the Holy Spirit. And he does that so freely. So be a mama hen, be a mama bear, be a mama eagle. You'll look funny, but you'll be really godlike. Let me give you a benediction and a blessing for you moms. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, which is the end goal. It's not to keep the ship from sinking. That's not our goal. The end goal is to raise up generations that will continue to glorify Christ. If we're thinking long term that way, God will do that. He will do that through us forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, parenting is tough stuff. It's just hard work. And yet it's the most rewarding thing that you've given us to be able to do. And I pray, especially for moms today on this Mother's Day, that you would give them a sense that you've got their backs <laughs> because you are their mother hen. You are their mama bear. You're their protective eagle as well. So they don't have to go it alone. And I thank you that you've done that for all of us, and especially for these moms. And I just thank you so much for the good parenting that we see going on around us. I pray your blessings on that parenting and on the kids who are going to be a part of this generational blessing for generations to come because they're putting God first in their lives and they're showing what God's character is like by being an example to them. Give us the courage and the grace and the forgiveness over and over again, all that it takes so that we can reflect you to them. And I pray it in Jesus' name.